Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. We have been saying time and time and time again that this economy is not in a good place. It's not because I want it to be in a bad place. It's not because of my own personal issues with Joe Biden policy and philosophy. No, it's because reality tells us that these things aren't good, that prices are still high going higher, that inflation continues and the high interest rates will continue because it isn't working, as if Jerome Powell is indeed fighting against the Biden administration to try and bring this economy to heal. And one of the places we're seeing the issue is the real estate market, a real estate market where we're being told that housing has come to a standstill. Now, there might be pockets, there might be places, but when you're seeing interest rates at 8%, what was the 30-year fix the other day? 8.09%? Who in the world is buying a house at those numbers? Historically, not bad. In recent times, horrific. And now we're reading in the Wall Street Journal that it's affecting commercial real estate? Well, one has to assume that housing affects all of us. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Lance Lambert joins us right now, formally of Fortune Magazine is where you found him. Now he is the proprietor of Resi Club. You can find it all uh, there on the social medias, residentialclub.com, your data-driven gateway to the heart of the U.S. housing market, resiclubanalytics.com. Let's start with these 8% interest rates. Historically, yes, not the highest we've seen, but clearly 8% was enough of a psychological number to bring housing to a screeching halt. Yeah, and so what we've seen here is that we've seen housing affordability deteriorate at the fastest pace ever. And that'll happen when you have U.S. home prices on a national level between March 2020 and today jump 45% as measured by the Case-Shiller Index. And then as the run-up in prices, which kind of slowed down a bit after spring of last year's rates went up, well, following that, interest rates went from 3% to 4% to 5% to 6% to 7% to 8%. And so this shock for buy- buyers who would go out in the market, or even people who were thinking about selling their home and then buying something new, it's just staggering. And so the affordability in the housing market and also autos, because the same thing is happening over in the auto market too, where prices overheated during the pandemic and then interest rates shot up, just housing and autos, the two biggest things in, you know, middle-class people's lives have just gotten so much more expensive so quickly. And that so quickly uh, is leading, when you look at the numbers, I should say leading, uh, means when you look at the numbers, it is cheaper to rent in America than purchase a home in, in America. That level of backwards, how often does that, something like that occur, and what does that signal to housing guys like you and others? Yeah, so right now the divide between prices, if you were to buy in the purchase market, you know, go out and buy a home, that monthly mortgage payment versus renting 
is it, it one of the biggest divides ever in history. And really the last time we saw this was like 06, 07, 08. That was a bit of a different story. You had the subprime crisis, all those bad mortgage products and a ton of inventory on the market. But this time it, there is a big divide. And so there's a question of how over time do these fundamentals get eased? You know, the industry would hope that mortgage rates would do a lot of the work if, you know, they could rein in this, uh, you know, inflation, keep it down, and we could get the growth rate of or, or get mortgage rates down a bit. That would help to ease affordability in this divide between buying and renting. Uh, the other thing is, you know, in a, a lot of the uh, owners of a lot of single family homes are hoping that rents do a lot of the catch up, right? Because the divide is so big, if prices don't crash, then rents would have to do a lot of the work to catch up. We're going to have to wait and see. Right now, there hasn't been a ton of momentum in either direction there. Rents have kind of, yeah, they're ticking up a little bit, but very low. Mortgage rates have not come down at all. We're still up right around 8%. We're pretty much sitting at 23-year highs as we speak now. And so as of now, you know, the affordability is about as strained for rent to buy as it's ever been. Talking to Lance Lambert, you find his work over at Residential Club on X Twitter, ResiClubAnalytics.com, former real estate editor for Fortune Magazine. Uh, the, the issue looking forward is that people like myself say, well, I guess I'm not buying a house anytime soon. I looked at, I've talked about this before. I looked at a house a few months ago. I'm like, I would want this. And the interest rate was 7%. I'm like, this does not make sense. And I don't trust that in a couple of years, the rates are going to come down and then, oh, everything's going to be fine. I'll be able to refinance. It'll be easy. The rates have now gone, gone up to 8%. But you posted the other day, I shared it on the show. And I think it was Wells Fargo or somebody else saw saw uh, 30-year fixed mortgages in 2025 at like that 53 5.5% level. These were the people who got yep. it very wrong for 2023. Why would I trust, whether it be Wells Fargo or any other uh, a bank uh, analyst, uh, about where rates are going to go? Yeah, so coming into, well, coming into 2022, a few of the firms that thought in 2022 rates would tick up to maybe 4 maybe four and a half. And the next thing we know, by the end of 2022, we were up to 7%. So it was a big miss last year on mortgage rates. And then coming into this year, a lot of them thought that we would come down on rates, that we would go into like the mid fives or very low sixes. And here now we're almost at 8%. Uh, you know, and a lot of people, depending on their credit score, are getting quoted in 8% or even 8.5% right now. And so, yeah, right, they, the forecasters have been missing big for a while. And one big reason, though, is that the economy on the, in the labor market has held tight. Despite all of these rate hikes, despite the deteriorated affordability, the labor market has kind of held tight there. And so if we went into a recession, I do think they would get their, their calls probably right. If we go into a recession, we probably would uh, get rates coming down uh, and maybe even fairly quickly for mortgage rates. But we'll have to kind of wait and see to see if that plays out. But, you know, that's not exactly 
you know, a paradise scenario either. It's, you know, it's probably a scenario for the, for the short term that we're either in very high rates where we are today, or it's we've come down a bit on rates because we got that recession uh, from the Fed-induced uh, rate hikes. Those rate hikes, that's where people are watching. This was CNBC earlier today, Lance. Treasury details plans to step up size of bond sales to manage growing debt load and higher rates. When the housing market looks at that, what do they say to themselves? Yeah, I I think uh, what they're watching right now is to see how the financial markets interpret it. Where is the 10-year Treasury yield going? Normally, there's a spread of about, you know, 175 basis points, 150 basis points between. Uh, and, and so when I mean basis points, like 1.75% difference between the 10-year Treasury yield and mortgage rates, the 30-year fixed. But right now, that's at 300 basis points or three percentage points. So if the spread was normalized, that would be about, we would have mortgage rates of about like 6.9% today or 6.5% given where the 10 year is now. But the reason that it's that high is there's so much uncertainty in the market and the Fed is pulled back as a trader uh, or buyer of MBS securities. So yeah, the, the housing market is very closely watching what's going on in the financial markets and what's going on in the bond market. And at least the past six months, they haven't been happy. So let's talk about who else isn't happy. Uh, Somebody who needs to sell their house and somebody who needs to buy their house. Uh, Those people are pretty miserable right now. In my anecdotal looking, right? I'm I'm here in Indiana. Anecdotally, uh, I, I, I look and I see for the first time over the past few weeks, price decreases, price cuts two houses. Is this a subset uh, regarding my uh, small area of central Indiana? Or is this the nationwide story that the while the inventory may still be slight, there's not even a market for the slight inventory and the price cuts are here? Yeah. So what we've really seen is uh, a, a decent amount of resiliency on the price side relative to how fast mortgage rates have went up. House prices have not really tanked, um, you know, and they've kind of held firm. And even in some, you know, Midwest and Northeast markets, they ticked higher this year. But right now we are seeing the seasonality. We are in the weaker seasonal period at the end of the year for the housing market. So there are going to be some price cuts. People who list in this window will probably not get as many offers as they would like um, and might not even get the price point that they would like. Um, now, the big question is, if we are moving into a bigger correction for some of these markets, which some places like New Orleans and Austin, Texas, are in very much correction mode on prices, but if we're moving into one for more markets, you really won't start to know until as we move into the spring when we move into that stronger seasonal period. If we move into the stronger seasonal period, and like this spring, you know, we get a good amount of activity, prices hold firm or inch up higher, then obviously we weren't in a correction yet for the broader market. But if we go into it next year and uh, it's still just like it is outside today, then, you know, that would be worrying for us. Uh, you know, th- that would be a sign 
that maybe a broader correction uh, had begun. You had mentioned, as as I uh, follow you uh, there um, on your on your Twitter feed, your your X your X feed, I guess is what we call it uh, now, um, that let you know the lawsuits have begun. This is this is uh, how you put it there at News Lambert on uh, Twitter X, that the lawsuits have begun. Um, this is about a. a I'm I'm trying to follow it myself, and I find it very, very difficult that there is a pretty large scale lawsuit um, against Compass, EXP World Holdings, Redfin, Weikert Realtors, United Real Estate. It, it's it's huge, and I'm trying to figure out what in the world this is. The National Association of Realtors is also named as a defendant, just as a, a concept of overview. What is this lawsuit against some pretty big real estate groups and what is the possibility of problem that it creates? Yeah, so the, the lawsuit that uh, the jury had awarded $1.8 billion in damages yesterday uh, was a class action lawsuit and it was against Home Services of America, the National Association of Realtors, and Keller Williams were the defendants. And the plaintiffs uh, uh, had claimed that uh, those groups had conspired to inflate commission rates. And the jury agreed. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of the things that has gone on for a, lot of, a long time is that a lot of sellers have paid, you know, around a 6% commission on their home sale, three being to the, bu- uh, the buyer's agent and then three being to their agent. And, you know, like one of the plaintiffs in the case, uh, you know, her agent took essentially 21% of her net equity. And then the buyer's agent, who wasn't even her agent representing her, took the other 20%. So for, effectively, a 40% of her equity was gone when she sold the property that she had had for several years. And uh, the, the jury agreed there that she had kind of gotten uh, stuck in that situation And so really where we go from now is a lot of uncertainty and a lot of lawyers making a ton of money because it isn't just this case. And this case is going to get appealed. They've already said they're going to appeal the case. Uh, There's also the fact that there's around like six other cases uh, out there. And the fact that the DOJ right now is considering a case, according to the New York Times, or no, according to Bloomberg, considering a case against the National Association of Realtors. And so if the DOJ jumps in, uh, that would be pretty significant as well. So right now, the big question is, was yesterday a small quake or the first tremor in something much, much bigger? And the much, much bigger if the DOJ should jump in is, is what? Well, we'll we'll have to see. Uh, But uh, it's potentially... The end result to all of this is potentially squeezing the commissions uh, that real estate agents and brokers uh, get from sales. But we'll have to kind of see how it all plays out. And, and keep in mind that the jury uh, trial, uh, the, the jury yesterday that had awarded the plaintiffs $1.8 billion, that is going to get appealed. And the judge also still needs to weigh in on some of the implications. 
Lance Lambert, News Lambert on the X Twitter. He is the co-founder and editor of Residential Club, analyzing the U.S. housing market. You can follow on the X Twitter at Residential Club or ResiClubAnalytics.com and get the know before other people do. Lance, always appreciate you taking the time. More is coming up. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today.